I love you. Ladies and gentlemen, green and faceless on the couch are proud to present Genre Smackdown! Ah. Yeah, that's the loudest I was able to get. <laughs> I'm in an apartment complex. I have to monitor my volume. How's <laughs> Genre Smackdown! Uh, happy Halloween, folks. Happy Halloween. I'm the Here Green Traveler. And I'm the Faceless Leon. This is a podcast about movies. Uh, there there will be spoilers ahead this this uh, this episode, but we'll let you know when that happens. And uh, we, we might sneak in some world events uh, there. I mean, you know, elections coming up. But that's not our focus. Uh, we're here to talk about some, some spoopy movies. And they're Ooh. real spoopy, these ones. Oh, uh, yes. Honestly, I think that out of all the movies... These two probably that we've talked about. That is not all of the movies in the world, but out of the <laughs> movies that we've talked about, these two scare me the most. I will say that. Really? Yeah. I. I mean, these, they're both body horror movies, and yes, that kind of yeah, that is, does get me. This is a uh, our first ever genre smackdown where Blick and I. Uh, we decide on a genre, and maybe later on in the future, you couch potatoes can decide on a genre. Oh, that'd and, be fun. And uh, we'll yeah. put forth, yeah, we'll put forth a movie each. Um, but you know, for Halloween, for our, you know, our first holiday special, we wanted to put forth uh, a genre smackdown of body horror. It didn't really start mm-hmm. out as body horror; it was just horror, but it became body horror. Yeah, it um, was just both the movies we put forth were of that yeah. particular subgenre. Yeah, Blake put forth Hellraiser. Hellraiser. And I put forth Videodrome. Both and, fine uh, originally, I'd say. Yeah. Originally, I put forth Exorcist, but I figured I'd rather talk about that one by itself someday. There's yeah. a lot. There's a lot in that one. Hell yeah. Um, and then my, you know, my backup was Videodrome, and thus, body horror, not my favorite of horror genres. Yeah. But... I will say up front that I believe these are two movies that do it right. Um, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, uh, like, of... it doesn't, like, <laughs> I was going to say it's, I wouldn't call it necessarily gore porn. Uh, I, I still want it, but Videodrome is rather pornographic. Um, yeah, but that's Videodrome kind of is its point. Pornographic. And, and, and hellraiser is sadomasochistic <laughs> yes yes uh they're both got that going for them um, yeah they do they do yeah uh well i guess uh, i mean honestly this is this is the movie that like i would say both of these movies if you're gonna find it in within yourself a sexual awakening these movies might do it for you you know if you, yeah. you might find yeah. a a new thrill in life with these two movies <laughs> just maybe just maybe uh you know i've i've said it uh a couple of times and typically uh greeny over there disagrees with me uh you shouldn't watch this with your kids um not yet definitely on this one i would say you probably <laughs> should not watch this with your kids yeah don't uh, watch these there's legitimate kids. yeah legitimate scarring moments in these movies oh, for yeah. kids definitely 
Oh man. Uh, but so I mean, I get, if you want to get them get them excited early, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's it what all depends on how you want to educate your children. I'm gonna edit. I'm gonna edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, so <laughs> I think I'll just jump right in and uh, tell you guys what Hellraiser's about. Um, so Hellraiser, um, there is no monster called the hellraiser i'll just put that up in front um <laughs> but anyways uh but is, hell is being raised i would hell say. is hell is being raised um so the kid's name is christy she's not important to later okay so anyways larry <laughs> and julia they're gonna move into this house uh that was his childhood home and his uh brother frank had already been there uh probably just kind of squatting in there just kind of squatting there yeah and he uh, left it left it gross too left it pretty nasty Terribly some, gross. some food and shit all over the place and uh, some moldy rooms yeah um no it, that, it, it was it the kind of mess that like if i would if i had just bought that house i'd walk in there and be like you know what we're gonna sell this back yeah yeah we're gonna sell it and somebody will flip it and it'll it'll be fine and maybe we'll come back and see it uh anywho um julia starts getting this strange attraction for one room and uh then uh frank comes back into the picture i'll say uh but he's not quite frank anymore yeah yeah he's He's still he's still very much frank but he's not yeah it's it's kind of hard spoiler free it's spoiler free it's frank but it's a different type it's a different form of frank it's a different form of frank frank comes comes and uh physical form yeah and i i don't know i don't think it's too spoily to say that julia's always had a thing for frank and she starts mm-hmm. siding with Frank and helping Frank out. And Christy, for some reason, Larry's daughter. Bringing not... him. Sorry, bringing bring Frank bringing Frank back to his you know proper form. And that's what that's she's right. talking about. That's she's trying to get him that's from his, his incomplete form to his final form. That's right. That's <laughs> right. In anime terms. In anime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Christy, who is Larry's uh, daughter from another marriage, doesn't have a great relationship with julia uh she gets this eerie feeling that her daddy's in trouble and tries <laughs> to stop and that's how she gets involved and Why'd that's kind of daddy? <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's that was uh that's part of the movie for sure so anyways i guess that's kind of the synopsis with i mean we yeah. can talk about spoilers later for sure yeah, we'll get there. Um, it's a little different this time with uh, the genre SmackDown. We're going to go ahead and I'm going to put forth uh, the plot synopsis for Videodrome. And yeah. then we'll uh, we'll talk both of these movies uh, kind of concurrently, you know, at the same time. Concurrently, not the right word. It's just kind of smack them together. Yeah, just, just slap it. Uh, <laughs> so Videodrome, um, you know, stars James Woods. I love the man. <laughs> he He's is uh, 
He's in a like an executive producer kind of for kind of smut television. You know, he finds, he seeks out and finds just TV that's gonna you know gross you out or you know it's it's for the it's for the the fetish people out there. It's a very Definitely. niche niche market that he feeds, and he uh, comes across through pirate pirate video. He comes across Videodrome, um, a very violent. It's very, it's a lot of torture and a lot of sexualized torture. Yeah, and it is hard to watch and unless you're super into that. Uh huh. And James <laughs> Wood's character, uh, what's what's his name? Um, his name is Max Wren. That's right. I wrote it down. I can't find it though. Max Wren, president of Channel Eighty Three. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, he becomes obsessed with Videodrome, like, wildly. And this one girl that he uh, starts a romance with also becomes obsessed with it while watching it with him. To the point where she actually goes, like, she seeks out a job opportunity to travel yeah. out there and try to make it on Videodrome to be right. not a contestant, but, you know, a participant in uh yeah. And that crazy fetish fest. Yeah. And uh, Max Wren becomes uh, kind of obsessed on getting out there himself, you know, to kind of, you know, find her or get involved himself. Who knows really what, what's going on in his mind at some times yeah. in this movie. Yeah, I think at first, like, he wants it for his channel. And then later mm-hmm. he's like, he just has to know what it is. Exactly. Or like what it's like. Or what it's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I guess, you know, body horror typically involves a mutation or some kind of torture of sorts. So I think it's okay to say that Max Wren starts to mutate a little bit into, um, I won't say what into, but uh, he he just starts to mutate. I think it's fair to say the new flesh. The new yeah. flesh is fair we'll, to say. We'll say the new flesh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he starts to mutate, and um, and now it becomes a matter of can he stop the mutation? Can he, or does he want to stop it? Even, you know, it's it, it it boils down to a lot of things, and we'll spoil stuff later. But that's, you know, things starting to get threatened of his normal life. I mean, even reality starts to get threatened in his normal life. So. That's that's kind of the synopsis for Videodrome is just a descent into, into wild madness. body horror madness. Yeah. Yes. Oh, definitely. Uh, and, I would uh, say, I would say that uh, it definitely has a similar feel of In the Mouth of Madness, where you just aren't sure what's real after a certain point. Um, yes. And it's. Uh, I particularly like this movie. It's 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 a good one. Um, Agreed. I like yeah. both movies. We won't uh, we won't put our opinions on them until we're into the spoiler territory. But uh, opinions against each other, I should say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think both movies do a great job at keeping you entertained throughout what's going on visually. Um, right. I've seen you know plenty of movies like this, so it's not shocking to me, and I can sit through it. Uh, it's kind of like watching a, a train wreck like you, you can't turn away but 
it's horrifying. Like you, you don't <laughs> you don't necessarily want to watch it. Um. Oh man, I just I can't wait to start talking about spoilers. So I I don't know. I, uh, should we say kind of just like generally how like our recommendations for these films real quick? Um. You know, I mean, I think it's fair to say that we would both recommend these movies. Uh, but I think there's some stuff before we get into spoilers, you know, I think there's some fun fact information, you know, behind the scenes stuff to get that out yeah. of the way oh, up yeah. front. Let's do that. Um, you know, both movies have a power house behind them. There's Clive Barker with Hellraiser. And then for uh, Videodrome, there's David Cronenberg, uh, who is... right probably the king of body horror right um he of the fly you know, if you're gonna yeah the pioneer you know if, if you're gonna talk body horror you will definitely have to talk cronenberg because he is a verb right. <laughs> you know rick and morty has made him a verb <laughs> yes yeah they they cronenberg everyone um but with uh i think it's you know best to start with clive barker because i have more of a relationship with him because as a stephen king fan uh once upon a time stephen king called clive barker the future of horror so as a fan of stephen king when you know when i love that author so much when he says that i had to start reading this guy right and um the books of blood which clive barker also made a movie that i don't think is that good um but he wrote the books of blood a you know volume of short stories and they're amazing they're so you know there was something they're so different than what I've been used to because he's a very sexualized horror author. There's a lot of yeah. horror built around uh, sex and right. Um, you know, quite often it's you know in the middle of an act a terrifying thing happens and you know it's it's amazing because like as a kid when I was reading it, you know obviously I hadn't been. Uh, you know, I wasn't very used to a lot of like sexual romanticized scenes like this. So as a right. kid, it was also kind of frightening because I was like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, I'm, I'm going to get caught reading this. I'm going to get in trouble. Um, <laughs> There's but a, then as I'm reading a real it, horror behind I know, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as I'm reading it, you know, because I'm intrigued, I'm a, you know, I'm a kid going through puberty and, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting for me to read this stuff. But as I'm reading it, then immediately something terrifying happens to the person right. that's having sex. And I'm just like, ah, <laughs> you know, it, it shook me as a kid. Um, is this what sex is like? <laughs> right, right. It's like, oh, no. But that's another thing with Clive Barker that as a kid I wasn't used to is um, he's very openly homosexual. And a lot of his books have uh, homosexual or trans characters in them. And, you know, not many authors, you know, have characters like that. So it was the first kind of experience of, you know, main characters who were not just straight men going through a horror story, which right. is typically, you know, a lot of books, you know, it's a straight man or a straight woman trying to fight something. And, you know, Clyde Barker was the first that introduced, you know, this whole new kind of character to me. Um, and back as, you know, when I was a kid, I was against it. Um not not against them sure it's just we were all raised in the 90s exactly yeah so i wasn't yeah. i wasn't um i didn't relate to the characters that well and you know i wasn't really attached to a lot of his stories for a while um 
And even like as you go along with his books, he becomes more fantasy um, with his like later novels. And I started to kind of just lose touch with his uh, his writing style. I feel like if I were to go back now, I would enjoy it a lot more because it's more dry, slower paced. And I feel like nowadays that's kind of up my alley. Sure. Um, yeah. As a, as a kid, Clive Barker, I had to kind of like put him down after Books of Blood and I think if whatever this um, Hellraiser is based off of, I think it's In the Flesh. Um, Did he? Write... No, it's based off the Hellbound Heart. Hellbound Heart. That's the one I read. Okay. Yeah, and the second one is called Hellbound. But I've never actually. This is the only one I've ever seen. Out of the yeah, Hellraiser I feel like we series. can make a playlist out of yeah. We can make really a playlist could. out of Hellraiser, along with all the other horror franchises, of course. Right, right. I think maybe we'll we'll start. Well, you know, we uh we do have. I feel like we could do a uh a franchise episode every year mm-hmm. potentially, as well, and make that. Yeah, we definitely could. I feel like yeah. I'd like to get through them a little faster too, though. That's fair. There's That's fair. There's we don't 12, have to just 12, like do Friday the Thirteenth movies. <laughs> there's twelve. That's how true. many of of which one? I think of Friday the Thirteenth. There's some. Some. I mean, there's ten Hellraiser films, and then ten I think of Friday the Thirteenth. There's like twelve. Yeah, there's a lot. Jeez. Well, I assume yeah, that on, they man. go a little deeper into uh, the background. I don't know villains. They're not really villains in this. Uh, uh, they're not the really Cenobites. villains in this. Yeah, this the Cenobites or Cenobites, whatever they are, Cenoboids. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> it, anyways, it's where the the classic uh, picture that everybody knows of uh, Pinhead. Pinhead. Yeah, it's where it's where he comes from. He's a part of a group of people um, from some. Yeah other dimension which i guess we can get played more into later yeah played famously by doug bradley um you know just as uh just as england is famous for nightmare on elm street robert england you know doug bradley is pinhead you know that's the that's the guy right um right and he's great you know him i mean all the cinnabites are great too but yeah he's the one you remember and i think what's kind of important to know about this first movie is that they're not a huge part of the movie like they yeah they're very much a consequence of what's going Mm -hmm. on fun facts real quick about clive barker that i wanted to throw out there is that this is a man who understands death and pain really well um yeah i mean one you're a homosexual you know there's a lot of backlash still in society for that um right so he has that experience the aids pandemic um yes definitely uh it's definitely he he was definitely working a lot during that period yeah and uh he you know he struggled to get his start as an author when he was right. first writing books, he was actually also working as a prostitute to make oh, money. Wow. Um, so it's, you know, he, he's one of those that it's like he struggled. Um, I mean, I wouldn't know if he called it struggling. I don't know his personal view on it. But, sure. you know, it took a while to, to get his novels published. Um, but once he did, you know, one of his first novels is being called by the, the king of horror. You know, it's like this guy's the future. Yeah. Um and going off that, like, later in life, uh, 
a scary story. One thing that makes me frightened of dentists is I read a couple years ago that Clive Barker went to the dentist and it's apparently a common thing that can happen that when they're working in your mouth, they can release a lot of chemicals into your body. And he went into a, uh, um, let me find it real quick. There was a spillage of poisonous bacteria that flooded his bloodstream and sent him into a coma for days. And he almost died from toxic shock syndrome. Oh my god, from like something that was just in his from, tooth? Yeah, I guess, just from cleaning his teeth, you know, released. I mean, he was also a heavy smoker, so maybe it's just, you know, a lot of nicotine right. and maybe, chemicals know. there, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, apparently it's just a common thing, and it just terrified me when I read that. Because it's like, one, Shit. I really like this author. And then, so I was like, oh no, is he going to die? Because this was pretty recent, like it was a... Uh, I think it was 2011 or 2012, um, so eight years ago, but felt recent. Um, Man, I'm really overdue for the dentist, and that just does not make me want to go. <laughs> <laughs> just floss, man. Make sure you floss. <laughs> just make sure you floss. Make sure you get those uh, those pools of bacteria out of there. Um, this is uh, Green oh, Faceless so PSA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I haven't read any of his books since that event. Uh, so it's like, you know, I can't tell you if it's in, you know, inspired his writing style at all. But right. even before that, you know, I, I got the feeling when I was reading his books that he understands pain and he understands that fear and also kind of pleasure of pain and, uh, death, you know, um, because there is, there is a very, you know, your brain has pain and, uh pleasure like right next to each other yeah and so it, it it makes sense for why a lot of people it's a fetish um right but you know even when you get hurt there is that bit of pleasure in it at the same time i don't know right because like, like earlier this week i got a guy had something like catch underneath my thumbnail and mm. tore through the skin and it hurt like crazy but at the same time you know there's also like a little bit of like ooh, that was like a very unique feeling that you know it caused a little bit of to, pleasure. Yeah, you Ca- don't get to caused feel that mostly all the time. pain. Yeah, I, I would say it was ninety percent pain and you know a tiny ten percent of like yeah that was nice. Yeah, so people are kind of <laughs> probably hearing like my gasps and uh, ah you know ahs on my side and like this is how I am while watching these movies. <laughs> So that's that's why these movies actually get to me mm-hmm. is because of the, it's just you can imagine it happening to you. Yeah. And uh, so what I was going to say is very tame by comparison. I was going to say I like to get uh, deep tissue massages. I just let the I just let them beat the shit out of me and um but you know it feels so fucking good and afterwards you know your muscles are so loose uh but yeah that is a different type of it's a little bit different pleasure (laughs) yeah yeah this is like these movies are like legit there's uh i mean we'll get into the spoilers but there's like chains going into people with this oh yeah oh yeah um but before we get into the spoilers i should talk david cronenberg a little bit if we talked uh clive barker we should talk david cronenberg um again you know he's the master of body horror 
for a reason. Uh, he did Scanners. That's one of his first big movie. That's the movie. Um, I don't know if you've seen Scanners, but it's the movie with the head explosion that is so like over the top and detailed and so beautiful. Um, do you remember we watched Deep Red? I, yeah, we watched uh, with Deep the, Red. Yeah. You, yeah, the there was that psychokinetic lady at the beginning. Um, or not psychokinetic, but she could tell the future kind of thing. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember uh, her? Yeah. Yeah, that I, scene at the beginning inspired Cronenberg's scanners, like, explosion, head explosion scene, where huh. it's, like, somebody somebody's feeding you information telepathically, um, and it just overloads your brain to the point where it explodes. Oh, my God. Um, I don't think we have yeah, it, that it's, one. We watched a couple of Cronenberg's. Yeah, but you've day. probably seen the 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 gif of the head explosion. I probably. bet if you if you were to see it now, you'd be like, "Oh, okay, yep, I've definitely seen that before." Yeah. Um. But that's that's you know David Cronenberg, um, just absolute genius when it comes to this stuff. And at the same time, like I feel like he's a very level-headed individual, a uh, <laughs> great director. You know, he knows how to capture all this and be almost tasteful still you know it's like it's kind of tasteful almost tasteful it's it's a little egregious but at the same time you know you watch it and you never they never seem to like go way beyond the line right um i kind of he knows how to tell the story and keep you in it like i kind of imagine him as the max wren character but like in the first half of the film before things really start turning (laughs) well well well, funny you say that because uh, when things start turning weird is about when he puts a, a helmet on his head. Yeah. And yeah. James James Woods would not put the helmet on his head, so oh, David Cronenberg actually J- David Cronenberg actually stepped in and was James Woods for. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> so where where you say the movie turns away from David Cronenberg being Max Wren is when David Cronenberg literally became Max Wren. <laughs> That's so weird. Why well, was is James Wood a little cross, claustrophobic, or was he afraid? Uh, he was afraid it would electrocute him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was some wiring yep. and stuff involved. Uh, yeah, but um, to go, you know, to continue with Cronenberg, you know, he's a pioneer. He's a uh, for me, um, personally, you know, spoiler for me. If you, you know, if you might not like to hear this, but I'm an atheist. And Cronenberg <gasps> is a very prominent atheist. Um, you know, he's his opinions go deeper than that. Um, there's a lot to it, and I really like reading uh, interviews where he discusses his atheism. And I would recommend people going out to look at that. I won't further talk about uh, beliefs there, but um, you know, I feel like his atheism helps his characters a lot. Uh, because they've their own cultural like backgrounds and beliefs and Cronenberg typically will research that and he'll give them, you know, he'll, you know, he doesn't just blindly focus on something specific to him being an atheist. He's interested in other like cultures and ideas and goes out and explores those, um, through body horror. So, you know, not always the, uh, the most grasping of entertainment for people to watch, but you know, if you go into them, you do learn probably more than what say, you would expect to learn. Yeah, I would argue that it is grasping. It's just you don't necessarily want to be grasped by it. 
yeah yeah definitely. yeah that is that is the thing with video drama is like i feel like you go in expecting something and you're like okay why am i still in my seat i should fucking leave <laughs> yeah i should have left a while ago <laughs> yeah then you're, then you're just there. glued after that and just like yeah. oh my god oh my god but yeah i feel oh there's not really god. much to cronenberg's life um he, he was supposed to direct return of the jedi but he didn't like the idea of directing somebody else's work um so he turned it down for this movie (laughs) to make video drum uh yeah so it's like after the success of scanners you know they sought him out because of his practical effect work i guess right um but yeah i think that's just super entertaining what we could have gotten well yeah a cronenberg i think it would have made it so so much better weird it would have been so great, I think. Oh, man, the the Sarlax pit, that would have been that would have been something. I feel like also if he had done Return of the Jedi, we wouldn't have gotten the you know the drivel we've gotten since. Yeah, um, I think so. They would have. You know, I feel like the prequel trilogy. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I feel like the prequel trilogy probably wouldn't have because uh, I feel like it would have been darker. Um, that would be nice. You know, Return of the Jedi is very, very, like, warm-hearted for me. Like, at the end, it's just like, all right, yay, it's done. Um, well, yeah, you know, if and it's it was nice, only going to be three movies, if it was only well, going to be three movies, a light ending is okay. But, yeah, but George Lucas going. had 12 planned. He had, he, had to, he had to keep going and ruin it all, and then Disney took over. And, you know, I don't mind the new trilogy. Um, yeah. But... Disney yeah. definitely disnified it. Yeah, Des- yeah Disney de- definitely put their hands on it. There's definitely uh, Mickey's fingerprints all over it, but that's okay. Yep. Um, we're not talking and about safe. that movie. <laughs> um, we're not talking about those movies, but someday I'm sure we will. Oh yeah, we will. We'll get there. Um, but that's really all I had to say about the the two main heads behind it. So I think uh, I think here we can dive into spoilers. All right, um, let's, let's put up that that wall, I guess. If you're gonna put up build that wall. Hello, spoiler avoiders. Go to hour one, minute thirty-one. We drop the wall there. So welcome to Spoiler Town, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we're the mayor. Quick, uh, quick, yeah. Quick aside: if the first uh, first act of this episode feels herky jerky. Um, we're filming at the end of a long day. I feel like both of us are probably a little tired, so. Oh yeah, I had the in-laws over. Yeah, <laughs> you're very tired. I just read a lot of books and sat on a couch all day. Well, <laughs> I took a nap. Do it to you too. <sighs> I mean, we had a good time. I'm not gonna dog on on uh, on the in-laws. They're they're great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we went Still tiring to have company after after a yeah. long day. Uh, but here we are in Spoiler Town, and uh, now we can. I feel like we can properly dive in and talk to talk about these films. Uh, oh, and yeah. again, we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna stop at any kind of spoiler. So you know, if if you haven't seen these movies, you know, we definitely recommend going out and seeing them. Um, yeah, they're both very very entertaining, but be warned, very graphic. Very graphic, and we're gonna uh, talk about the graphics. A whole lot yeah so if you don't yeah so if you don't want to watch these movies and you would rather just have them spoiled welcome 
yeah yeah we'll probably <laughs> talk the whole plot of these movies i think um uh, yeah almost and uh oh let's boy. just start let's let's start with hellraiser i think yeah um you so, get the you get the first hint that everything's gonna be gross at the very beginning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um a guy a guy gets a mysterious puzzle box yeah, from a Yeah. Yeah, from a street vendor, thank you, Frank, who is played by uh Sean Chapman. Um so Frank gets a puzzle box. He goes back to the family home where he squats uh, in the attic, you know, he draws, you know, pentagram and some Satanist stuff, I guess. I don't know if they're Satanist. Sorry if I offended Satanists out there. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there might be a, a 80s movie interpretation of, of Satanist symbols. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he, he solves the box. He summons, I don't remember what the world is. Um, and you know the cenobites come out and torture him like i believe pinhead says says hell to some heaven to others yes or maybe he says demon they're demons to some angels to angels to others maybe maybe that's what the line is either way it gets the point across really yeah yeah because that's that's the thing they're not they're not villains they're just they they just torture you they are beings of the extreme experience that's what yes. the cinnabites or cinnaboids are we should get that right <laughs> i think it's cinnabite okay cinnabites. um but yeah the, the the all you see at the beginning though are a bunch of chains and the end and hooks just yeah. coming out and just ripping through frank and just tearing oh. into his skin tearing and you know it's pieces. it's it's clearly fake yeah, it's like it's clearly fake skin. Like you, right. they do, like up close shots of like hooks just going in, and you see you know blood pouring out, and you know it's gross. Um, the blood is is very but, quick running. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it it runs very fast. Uh, the effects special effects were done by Bob Keane, who also did Candyman later on, which is another Clive Barker adaptation. I don't think yeah. Clive Barker did Candyman. Um, but he wrote the short story it's based off of. Uh, yeah, but so, yeah, back to... like, the first big effect, though, is... Uh, so I guess what I should set up the scene a little bit first that I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, let's, let's go ba- to, to rewind, to get back to um, after after Frank, they cut to the family coming down. Right. Um, and that's where you were going with it is, you know, the family's moving in, mm-hmm. uh, the husband and some... Some movers are carrying a couch up the stairs yeah, while I, I believe it's the wife. Bed, but yeah. Oh, yeah, the bed. Um, the wife, uh, who's played by Claire Higgins, Julia Cotton. Um, Julia's, for whatever reason, attracted to the attic. She's having like some weird no, flashbacks it's... about, you know, yeah, she's just like, she's remembering having sex with Frank and she's just wandering yeah. up in the attic, just like, yay. It's like, and it's right um, before she gets married to Larry. She she has this affair, yeah, yeah. And, and probably hasn't seen Frank since. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It definitely seems like uh, she thought something could come from it, but then like just lost romance. Um, but while she's wandering around in the attic, uh, good old husband 
what's his name larry uh played by andrew robinson he he backs up into a nail oh, and you man. see the you see the nail just tear through the skin of his hand it's so and it's good just, <laughs> but it's so it's bad. good but 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 that's not the big scene you're going to talk about no what um the big scene comes from what happens from the hand right. cut yeah cuz he carries that up to the attic and some blood drips on the floor right and, and summons brother frank it summons brother frank but before that we learn that larry just absolutely hates blood he is yeah. definitely the antipathist or god damn it my vocabulary. antithesis yeah um he is the opposite of his brother frank <laughs> he yes. um he hates blood uh he, probably the most manila lover that a a, a man woman can or you know or a woman can find and he's like oh i can't look at it julia you gotta do it you gotta look at it help yeah. me julia and <laughs> yeah uh, he is definitely needing care and uh, frank is definitely hurt me baby you know, yeah yeah uh and uh anyhow he yeah he spills blood on the attic floor and apparently that's the room it's kind of like i'm like they don't really set up yeah it's poorly set up room where frank gets torn apart uh yeah i don't feel like they set that up very well but uh anyhow frank just like opposite of melting comes out of the floor piece by piece yeah once everybody leaves once everyone leaves yeah, it's after know, it's the, the attic by in. itself but yeah he comes out piece by piece and ugh. Ugh, it is so gross it is the worst it is goopy and yeah you watch you uh, watch the brains like the brain stem go into the brain yeah and like um you know that goes into the skull and like everything just the bones start coming together right. and there's a lot of squelching and right. and icky goo dripping everywhere yeah and it doesn't i don't know if the the body or whatever it is is also played by sean chapman yeah um but i don't know it's done it by is... bob Keane at the very least <laughs> yeah it, the special effects all by that man yes it it does not it does not look like him but you know a person that looks like a melted corpse isn't gonna look like the person yeah. they were before um and it, yeah that that is the first form of frank after his return is like he is he's not even able to walk he's barely able to crawl across the floor yeah he's just kind of bones yeah just bones and a little bit like, of sinews and 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 that's the uh, famous the famous shot is um you know when he first forms his skeleton comes like halfway out of the out of the flooring and like there's sunlight behind it and he's just like ah just screaming you know like yeah. the the uh, the Willem Dafoe from Platoon scream. Your <laughs> arms are just thrown out wide and you're screaming at the sky. Yeah. Um, I did write down that Oliver Smith plays skinless Frank. Oh, he does. Okay. So, All right. Because, yeah. He, yeah, he does not seem like it's the same actor. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, then Smith did a great job of looking like a half-dead person. Um, <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. 
he is freaky as fuck too um he uh so then claire not claire uh well the actor's name is julia Higgins, julia. julia comes back once again she is attracted to the room for yeah, some i don't know why that, yeah yeah that's i, I think i, I should say because... too that this is this is clive barker's directorial debut and i do think that that's one problem he at least in his first movie that is a problem that's very noticeable is he's not good at setting things up really well not, you yeah, know in his books he's well. amazing in the story he's great here too like in dialogue things are set up well but visually i think he could do a little better at you know as you said the attic doesn't feel like it's the same room at the beginning um yeah a lot of parts of this house feel like they just shift like you know it kind of feels like right. there's right. no no real uh grasp of what the house looks like right i i feel like there were probably a couple of shots that are like okay we want to get it at this angle but honestly i don't think this room is right for that shot and so they switched rooms. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's kind of how it feels uh but anyhow uh julie comes back and she's she's in the room with him and she freaks out obviously and th- yeah, is that during the dinner party scene the, the um, weirdest dinner maybe party? yeah uh, it might have been where their teenage but daughter it's... gets drunk i i guess i don't know how old christy is but she is she feels teenage gets, what's that she feels like a teenage like she rebellious feels like teenager. A teenager but she's she's moved out of the house so she's probably at least 18 that's true yeah um, she has given a lot of freedoms from her parents <laughs> yeah yeah um but anyways she's very clearly drunk in the scene and uh-huh. uh anyhow uh julia leaves the party because i don't know like i feel like all these memories of frank kind of put her off larry for some reason and yeah yeah she's definitely not feeling the the marriage and like moving into a home life that they right currently right. just like throwing themselves into right and there's like this weird line earlier where uh he says what what's the big problem um you know we're, we we're out of the city which you said you wanted and uh you're back in your own church and i and like the first time i watched this i really expected her to become like to like be her pastor or something like there that that huh. line just is non sequitur to me comes back into the room because she's attracted to it she cre- sees this bony creature thing and freaks out yeah with goop with goop still dripping from it yeah like it's it's still it's still slimy and wet and like yeah. still forming nasty and, and he just like golem dashes across the room <laughs> and like slams the door and he's like julia julia it's me <laughs> don't it's, it's frank <laughs> <laughs> That's almost and, spot on too. Like, yeah, <laughs> but they have they have many close ups of the face here, and the makeup oh, is so good. So like, good. there's like it's just a skull with uh, with you know some like tendons and muscle and like sinew mm-hmm. still on it, but it's it's mostly just a skull, and it's just you know it's 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 these kind of moments where I have like great like pride in uh special effects designers like practical effects because it's so good yeah it's really good you know there's there's star wars practical effects and then there's these kind of practical effects and it's so gross 
and so like terrifying and it's just like the people who come up with this like what is wrong with them <laughs> yeah yeah really uh yeah some so this this first version of frank i'm i'm not so sh- like it's definitely great i will say um, yeah but it's not amazing disgusting it's... but like there's several versions of frank before he he ends uh and he mm-hmm. uh whoever did this the second third and fourth version of frank studied gray's anatomy like yeah yeah they, they nailed it uh like he gets uh so what happens is he's like i need you to repair me by feeding me more blood and so yeah. julia which is a accomplish. very weird process yes uh, yeah, yeah she starts to lure people through seduction yeah up to the attic like i'm sorry like I, i'm a single guy i go on dates if a woman takes me back to her place and then starts like leading me up to an attic that in yeah. like a ramshackle building like this i, I i'm immediately know, though, turned off i've heard a lot of horror attic, stories though. i i think it might be a room but like it's a if, room but it's at the very top of the house yeah it's the very top of the house and you, there's no furniture in it and no and you gotta go through like, a lot of like run down looking areas to get there yeah yeah for sure and like it's either it's either burnt or has black mold everywhere yeah <laughs> i would yeah not like i would walk in there in that I... room no you'd walk in and be like all right where's right. the bed and it's just like no we're gonna do it this way it's like no 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 there's nails poking up out of the floor but yeah it's, this is a very unsanitary and i'm not in I on this into this uh yeah i think i think there like this scene went exactly that way for one of the victims until the refusal but only they're they like okay yeah. yeah sure kinky whatever uh <laughs> yeah it's it's ridiculous how easily it works on so many yeah. people too you yeah. know it's like she brings and every time she was bringing them there too i'm like where the fuck is your husband like yeah i don't remember working. if they mentioned what larry does but like yeah he's gone a lot <laughs> he's gone a lot but I, yeah it's definitely like during the daytime and who is at like who are these people at a bar ready to go get funky in the middle of the day <laughs> like that and they're all like wearing suits too so yeah. it's like they're all business people it's like like just let's just take an extended lunch hour and yeah and go, <laughs> let, me, let me just go, go freak on up in a creepy attic but yeah they they go up there and then she beams each of them with a hammer. Uh, oh yeah, 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 she does. <laughs> yeah, she really does. Uh, and it works pretty successfully for three of them. Each she, time, well, she almost gets caught the first time by by, yeah. by Larry when he comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, but she just claims yeah, that she's the fuck not he's feeling at. very well, and he's like, "Very dutiful hu- husband." Like, "Oh, it's okay, honey. You know, take your time. Yeah. Let me know." Doesn't she still have a little? Doesn't she still have a little bit of blood on her face too when yeah. she's talking to him? Like, yeah, yeah she, she does. I, and I mean, like, she wears a lot of lipstick, so I feel like yeah. Larry could have easily subconsciously been like, "Okay, she got yeah. sick. It smeared her makeup. She didn't clean it up." Uh, but the, but through a through a process that involves sticking his fingers into the neck, Frank feeds off of these yeah. people. I never understand it. It never makes sense. Like literally, he just like curls his fingers into their neck, and then he just starts making slurping sounds. Yeah, 
Yeah. And With it's his like, I don't know if he's too. drinking the blood. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, I figured he was like drinking the blood, but at the same time, they never like show it. I don't know. Which I feel like is an opportunity missed for this kind of a movie. Yes. Yeah. It is a, it is a process he learned from the other side of the, the box door or whatever. Yeah. But they did have to cut a lot um, to even market this movie. Really? Um, they wanted to give it, you know, the this was during the big, you know, the 80s time where, you know, they were they were hard on ratings. Hmm. You know, everything was getting big ratings. You know, you, you, too many swears, too much blood, you know, rated R, rated X. Um, they wanted to give this an X rating. And so they had to remove a lot of gory stuff, which wow. is kind of a surprise given how much is still left in. Um, but a lot of the gory stuff they had to remove specifically involved like nudity and um explicit like sexual uh torture stuff i I should say that is kind of crazy because there's definitely some fucked up shit in this (laughs) uh but Yeah. yeah i could definitely see her and frank you know going at it because She's straight up in love with him after he comes back, even though, even in all his goopy glory. Yeah, uh, I mean, she... like, even with, like, blood, like, still, where, where, whenever he touches stuff, blood smears everywhere. Yeah. Even with that, she still makes out with him a lot. Yeah, she puts, she even puts his goopy fingers in her mouth at one point. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, from there, that's, that's, I mean, that's basically most of the movie even is, like, a good chunk of the second act is her bringing people back and killing them like almost not montage style but almost montage almost (laughs) montage style and um i feel like the movie tries to make uh ashley lawrence uh christy the main character but like she's not really the main character until the third act yeah yeah when she becomes like the final girl almost yeah Uh, it's it's that actress's uh that actor's film debut even ashley lawrence yeah she's she's honestly i would say pretty talented um yeah she's pretty good in this movie yeah i would say i think everybody's good but nobody nobody rises to the level of james woods and yeah i would agree uh, to that i think both uh james wood and um uh debbie harry i think they were both really good in, in that movie oh yeah and videodrome um and where I think that honestly Ashley Lawrence's performance, uh, Frank's performance, I mean, because I yeah, mean, you can't argue skinless that Frank's great and terrifying. Um, but right. uh, I think Ashley Lawrence has probably the strongly strongest performance, uh, in the film, and uh, mm-hmm. she's just not focused on in the beginning, like, she's obviously there like he does a no, pretty good just, job of setting her up i'd say but she doesn't feel yeah. like the protagonist until the end yeah they i mean in the beginning she's kind of just like drunk horny teenage lady right um yeah. you know because she's like seeking out the mover or i think it was the mover that she seeks out and i don't know, know is this whatever guy reason, named they let like her drink Steve heavily or, i don't know what is the, her boyfriend's name uh let's see if i even wrote him down Steve, yeah, had it right, yeah. <laughs> nice, nailed it. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, that guy. He, uh, but but it becomes uh, it it basically boils down to 
Frank gets strong enough to the point where um, Julia lures her husband Larry back up to the right. attic, and Frank kills Larry. And doesn't just kill him. Doesn't just kill him. He removes his skin and wears it. Yeah. Oh. And, and poor then, poor Claire comes home. Oh yeah. Or not Claire. Poor uh, Kirsty, the daughter, Kirstie. comes home. <sighs> and she thinks that uh, her dad's body is Frank. Yeah, because Frank is doing a pretty darn terrific job as acting like Larry. <laughs> yeah. Until he says, "What gives it away is." Uh-huh. Come to daddy. Come to daddy. Ugh. Oh yeah, it's it's fucked. Uh, Gross. And and like just scenes before, the monster Frank said, "Come to daddy." Um, mm-hmm. To Christy, and so that's what gives yep. it away. Uh, so Frank, you know, was not being coy enough. Yeah, and then it becomes a matter of, you know, one, she's got to survive. Kirsty does. Right. But two, um, she solved the puzzle box. Uh, we forgot to mention that before right. she came home, she found and solved the puzzle box again and summoned the Cenobites. And when you solve the puzzle box, you know, the Cenobites take you to their realm and they, they, they you know, sadistically you, torture you and you enjoy they, it. Yeah, the experiences. <laughs> yeah, they uh, open your mind. Um, and, and I think we should mention that, yeah, probably we should mention that the Cenobites are each all, they all have their own physical, uh, torture that's been done to them. Right. You know, uh, Pinhead has nails all throughout his head and like, and, uh, um, in a whatever that acupuncture like manner yes um, but they're not acupuncture needles they are much thicker no <laughs> yeah. yeah they're nails <laughs> um then there's you know there's one that's chattering that's had something done to his mouth like i can't remember exactly what's been done to him it's like it's like pulled open with wires yeah Ugh. and, and then, then one that's like been bloated yeah and you know he's like he he's the most alien of them all, really. Yeah, the others really are very is. the human-like guy. The guy he's... with with the chattering mouth too is a little alien looking. I think that mm. I think they're supposed to look like they were burnt, maybe. Mm. Maybe. Yeah, but also yeah, they, they have could that Darth just Vader be like... <laughs> originally from another place than uh, Pinhead and the lady who has her throat open. Um, yeah, another dimension. Yeah. Yeah, and they all are, you know, all of those Cenobites are well acted, very intimidating. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wouldn't, like, they're definitely frightening, uh, but I, I would say Frank's body is honestly just like the the transformation of that is more frightening. Oh, yes. that um, Yeah, definitely is the, the biggest scare of the movie is, is him coming out of the floor and uh, the different stages of of his return mm-hmm. it's definitely scary and it's and it's gross what the cenobites do and it's terrifying what they do but yeah the yeah as you said him coming out of the floor is just yeah ugh, yeah makes me each time when you watch it you're, you're glued to it but it's gross yeah. um but so, she solves she solves the puzzle box and realizes that she can basically sell frank 
instead of her. You know, if she gives them Frank, she should be able to go free. Right. Um, so that's why she goes back to the house. That's why she, you know, she tries to tries to make it so that she can, you know, find Frank and get Frank back to the Cenobites so that she doesn't have to go to this realm and experience the ultimate experience. Yeah, who, no. <laughs> Whatever they called it no, again. I mean, most people would not want this ultimate experience. Uh, Frank obviously did. He sought it out on purpose. Mm-hmm. And others and obviously do. Because the Cenobites keep on getting people. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, she did it on accident because she was trying to understand what was going on. Um, yeah. And so, anyways, she comes back to the house. Frank admits that he escaped. And that's when the Cenobites mm-hmm. come back. And they're like... With the same the same chains flying yeah. out of nowhere just to hook themselves into his skin. Which is now Larry's skin. Yeah. <laughs> and they rip Larry, Frank apart and uh christy has to watch and then they're like okay christy let's go and she's like fuck that (laughs) right and then she she's got to solve the puzzle box and get the fuck out and i feel like that's um you know that is the movie in a nutshell and it's i love it it's gross it's you know it's fun even though it's gross you're still hooked you're still involved um but the problems with it that I don't have with Videodrome is like as you said, the character the main character doesn't really emerge until the third act. I mean yeah. she's part of it, but like she doesn't emerge as the main character until then. Yeah, the focus um, is definitely on Julia and Frank up until that point. And I think that's you know, that's where Videodrome is is better. And unless you had more to say about Hellraiser, maybe we go into Videodrome. Um yeah uh i would i would agree with with what you said like i don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with the focus shift mm-hmm. it's just i feel like they could have done a little bit more to set up christy and yeah. maybe it does happen in some of those scenes maybe there's a couple more dream scenes that she has that are cut maybe. out um because yeah maybe they did remove a lot of her stuff that's yeah, possible it's very possible and, and you know what like there is an old hollywood trope of highly sexualizing uh newcomer actresses mm-hmm. uh especially in that area era so yeah uh it could be very possible um and maybe that's what's missing from the film for me but yeah let's move on to videodrome that that yeah all e- equally as gross but in a, in totally different ways in a, in a totally different way and a better way i think because the main character is seeking you know it this stuff this sadomasochistic stuff is happening to the main character to right. somebody that we're we're built to relate to uh you know we're we're following specifically whereas with hellraiser you know it's happening to you know other people it's not the main character it's it's frank it's the the poor bastards that julia's bringing back and caulking on the head with a hammer um here it's max wren here it's james woods who is a master (laughs) 
<laughs> like i fucking love him in this movie he's really good in this particular role i would say um i, I haven't seen too many james wood movies um uh but there's this and then uh hades and hercules <laughs> yeah uh and he's got yeah. so many um but this is one of my favorites of his and it's it's really because despite the crazy you know very non-relatable world that he lives in you get the most realistic performance you can imagine from you know it's like everything that happens to him his expressions to what happens i feel like i would make too most right. often you know it's just yeah. like he's so mind blown so disgustingly captured right. by things that he sees um it, 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 his, it's just his his emotions for this movie is remarkable and it's you know i feel like he wanted to make a movie with cronenberg um you know i feel uh he he had seen scanners he liked scanners a lot um, and he sought out Cronenberg to make a movie, and it it really shows because he he it seems like he gives everything to this role, um, even though he had you know had issues with it. Um, so to give it to give this movie the same uh, treatment, you know, it starts off uh, he he's on like a talk show kind of like I mean it's not the beginning the very yeah, beginning, the very but he goes on a. Say, but... But he goes on a talk show, and that's where he meets his love interest, uh, Nikki Brand. Nikki Brand, who she played is by Debbie a, Harry. Yeah, she is a radio talk show host who her job is is kind. Of, it's kind of, she's kind of she kind of does uh, the the Fraser Kane uh, job. Yeah, yeah, she does. Where she's, <laughs> she's just not uh, as fun. Psychiatrist on 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 air and uh but like her persona uh is completely different from who she is in real life yeah she's definitely putting on the front when she's hosting yeah she she puts on like this this idea even even in the uh the interview with her and max she she says that uh she feels that the channel that max represents puts forth just too much stimulation for people and it's stimulation for stimulation's sake and that that's no good and yeah and then, she calls calls out a question his uh um his sexism basically right you know it's yeah. you know it's like you you're just treating women as objects and I love that she like she brings that question forth where she's just like you know she she talks about how he treats women or how he views women through his media, and like two minutes later he asks her out to go to dinner. <laughs> just like, yeah. oh, I just love which, that scene. Which, like, so... w- when I first watched this movie, I was like, okay, so I guess I'm not gonna like Max very much, right? Um, yeah, you, you get the very bad opinion of him from that interview. Yeah, uh, but then of course she ends up going out with him because she's attracted to to bad boys and uh to all sorts of things sexually yeah she's she's um, attracted to specifically what his media what the media is that he puts forth right you know, this yeah. almost violent and aggressive right style of entertainment and 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 uh max's philosophy which is also uh put on display in this tv interview 
is that he get, is giving his viewers an outlet so that they don't go out and become violent or mm-hmm. sexually deprived, whatever that means anymore. Yeah. Um, non-consensually. Non, yeah, non-consensuals. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, as he says, the women that and you know the women and the men that are presented through his media want it. Yeah, yeah, it is it is consensual what they're doing, and they're 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 paid paid actors in mm-hmm. in his uh, in the media that he um, broadcasts. He doesn't produce the media. Um, yeah, yeah, he broadcasts. He just finds it, and then yeah. he, you know he comes across through a. Uh, what was the guy a scrambler you know it's kind of like a hacker kind of character yeah, uh, uh harlan played by uh yes peter drovsky yes fun fun character i'm not gonna <laughs> say whatever how his name is pronounced so i apologize for that guy yeah i think he's interesting um but i feel like they did the thing where uh they wrote a hispanic character and then cast a white guy I mean, he might be Hispanic. I, I so maybe not. I could be wrong, but yeah. if if they wanted a Hispanic character, I, I agree with you. They should have cast right. You know, somebody. Hispanic. His catchphrase is Patron, and yep. that's that's what he calls Max, and but he always says it with with the accent. It's the only thing he says with yeah. the accent. So it kind of throws me off personally but i it could yeah, just be I didn't, I didn't get what he was doing with it yeah yeah exactly but uh yeah not to not to throw peter under the bus uh but yeah i didn't know if it was an actor trait or as you said if they had written that character to be that way and just cast the wrong right i'm not i shouldn't say the wrong guy because yeah as again he is a fun character that that yeah, catchphrase so. aside um but they also do something with him like later on in the end where they kind of make him like a, a double agent spy kind of thing Yeah. that they've, they've done so well at making all of the reality shaky and not believable. Right. That I really don't understand his character because of the ending. You know, I'm just like, was yeah. he, wasn't he well, um, like the whole movie, like you, you end the movie and you just wonder because it is a movie about hallucination you just mm-hmm. you just wonder if any of it was actually happening like yeah. i mean you kind of like i feel like as the viewer while you're watching it you have to buy into it there's a specific moment too in the movie where it just you know reality just shifts and you're just like right. okay from this point forward i literally don't know what's real and exactly what's and and neither does max and that is yeah. kind of the beauty of this movie uh uh-huh. is that the audience is just as confused as the main character is. Yeah, you devolve with him. Yes. Or descend, I mean. You descend yeah. into madness with this character, basically. Right. right. Uh, for <laughs> because this... of what you're seeing, too. Yeah. You know, it's like what you're seeing is so not what you've normally seen on in movies that, you know, you're kind of just, your brain's kind of shook just by yeah. the visuals alone. Yeah. That as things start to go south, you kind of just follow the characters into that madness. After I watched this movie, there was a couple of days where I was just like, man, I don't know what the fuck is real anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was very I think I stopped watching TV for a little while too. I was like, right. I gotta I gotta, <laughs> I gotta step yeah, back. Yeah, Cronenberg 
Uh, Cronenberg scrambled your mind, and you're sure just like, did. I gotta, I gotta reorient. Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely does that to you. Um, and it's it's beautiful how it does it because uh, to to cut back to the plot, um, Max through that hacker character Harlan finds the network of Videodrome, right? Where people are tortured uh, almost to the point of death on you know in this like very amateur styled camera, um, but it's enrapturing what they do to these people. I guess. They never you, really show specifically. You say almost to death. You say almost to death, but they mention a couple times that the, the, yeah. the contestants get murdered at the end. There is a market for this kind of entertainment. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, it's crazy to think about. And, and you know, I mean, there is snuff media out there. I mean, there there yeah. is really stuff that you can find on the internet. I'm not by no means is this my endorsement to go and do that no um definitely don't <laughs> especially do when that. most of that is most of that in reality is not consensual and no the, no it is not in the film and in, and in the film and in, it's presented as being consensual um yeah. for the sake of media specifically yeah um at least that's what max thinks at big at the beginning yes he thinks that it's accurate. yes but later on he 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 is told by another pretty interesting character uh the the woman that brings him materials i can't remember what her name is it might be birdie i can't remember oh bianca bianca oblivion no not bianca oblivion um the older woman who brings him uh softcore porn and stuff like that Oh, he right. has the media. her go and investigate Videodrome for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's and another fairly interesting character. She's got like a German accent or at least some kind of European accent. And yeah. uh, does softcore period piece porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, uh, people don't want this anymore. And he said, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> because he definitely likes her. Like they have a really interesting relationship. I, I like yeah. them. Um, well, I mean, that's that's one thing with Max Wren is he's a very charismatic person. Right. You know, yeah. you're in that he's in that business for a reason. And, you know, it's that's why is he's great with people. You know, he knows how to find things. He knows how to sell things. And, you know, he knows how to find the right audience for things. Um, But that's what makes him kind of so attracted to Videodrome is he kind of wants to understand it. He kind yeah. of wants to. Yeah, I mean, he starts to think maybe he likes it even when he. Uh, starts dating Nikki Brand, yeah, because, because she's you know, into she's it. into it. Yeah, she wants him to you know choke her. She wants him to bite her, um, burn her with cigarettes. And he he starts to yeah burn yeah burn her with cigarettes, and he starts to you know starts to like it. Um, but then she goes off to find Videodrome, and he's like, and do, does he send do that? He's like, don't yeah. Do does that. he send the lady before then, or does he send her after? It he Nikki leaves. That is he sends her out uh before that but he has the conversation where she's like videodrome is real afterward mm-hmm. after that conversation which i feel like like the main script might have had those two scenes swapped and that's why Maybe. he's so concerned about nikki being like i want to go do this uh mm-hmm. but then they're like when when they were editing they're like you know what i like it better here um yeah because his concern 
scene like because when he's at the top of the scene at the restaurant with uh the agent character he does not seem that concerned about videodrome until she starts being like i don't think you want to have anything to do with this and he's like please tell me if i go and find out that it's too too freaky i won't deal with it you mm-hmm. know i stay away from the scary stuff that's what he says yeah but obviously he wants to know <laughs> he wants to know yeah he wants to know yeah he wants to he wants to figure it out um but nikki goes out and she basically disappears right and you know he sees her on i think he sees her on the episode of videodrome like where um, he, like he goes crazy kind of obsesses over making sure he sees right the output he, from yeah, videodrome I think daily he's trying to to catch if she's on there because she's been gone for a while but i think the first time he sees her is when he confronts bianco oblivion mm-hmm. and if we're going to talk about bianco oblivion we got to talk about brian oblivion who is her yes, father sir. and was also a guest on that interview with mm-hmm. him and nikki but he only appears on television through television <laughs> through television he is yeah. a he is a man on a television set on television yeah <laughs> uh, and, and yeah the reason for that since we're just doing spoilers already yeah is because he's been dead for years he's been dead for over 20 years and he did a bazillion tapes before he died mm-hmm. and uh recorded so everything he is he is so what's really interesting is that he's answering the questions that the interviewer is giving and responding to conversation that Max and Nikki are having in this interview, but from the past. Yeah. Through because, like vague responses and, you know, pre-recording. Right. But he also even turns his head to the right person. It's, it's pretty yeah. cool. And obviously, you know, effects wise it's pretty easy to explain they they mm. you know he, he had a script <laughs> and was yeah, told yeah. where to look but uh when you find that out you're like wait what so he just yeah. knows everything um and it's because he too was exposed to videodrome yes and videodrome is not the show that that max thinks it is it is a frequency put in under the show yes that causes a bad tumor in your brain a bad tumor in your brain um that makes and, you hallucinate uh-huh and and i guess see lose the touch with reality i guess see the future well i mean i feel like he basically just pre-recorded a lot of outcomes and i feel like his daughter was just really good at putting forth Choosing. the right tapes for yeah. stuff yeah. She was his ambassador after death. Yeah, I wouldn't know if yeah, I wouldn't know if he you know could see the future and like knew what was going to happen in the interview or anything. I just feel like he put forth a lot of really good bland like vague uh responses. Well, he that could well, go well. I mean, he knew Max. Like he yeah. he he knew what to, he knew Max was going to come to him. Yeah. And um, and that was able to respond that. to that and be like, I, I I really appreciate you coming to me, Max, uh, in a, in a video <laughs> that Bianco gives him. Uh, and that yeah, well, okay, well, yeah. But at that, that point, and that brings us back. But at to that why point, I brought it up. 
But I mean, at that point, though, also is when he's starting to lose touch with reality. So it's very possible that that wasn't an actual videotape, I think, because that could have just been, you know, part of the hallucinations Max was starting to have. That's true. See, that's the thing, though, is that at a certain point, you got to wonder if the whole thing was a delusion. If the yeah. whole movie was a delusion. So, yeah, because uh, for whatever reason, Max starts to develop a slit in the middle of his chest. Right. At first, he thinks um, it's a rash. Yeah, at first he thinks it's a rash, then it becomes a very vagina-like slit in his chest yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where a video where a Betamax could be inserted. It wasn't yeah. a videotape of a Betamax. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, um, I don't know. But yeah, he, he starts to mutate. You know, his um uh I can't remember when the ha- when his when the gun gets That is or when his hand after, mutates into a gun. That is after um all the hallucinations no his name not brian cox it's uh the other oh barry convex he his front is that he is a sunglass salesman not a sunglass a uh eyeglass salesman but Mm. he uh in actuality and i'm putting up air quotes here uh because (laughs) who fucking knows with this movie what's real and what's not uh, he is yeah. working with the government to develop Videodrome. Yeah, and, and along with those people are people that Max Wren felt comfortable with, like right. Harlan. Like Harlan. Double exactly. Agent Harlan. Right. And, um, oh yeah, I guess I guess what I wanted to bring up with that video that uh, Oblivion was talking to Max through, Nikki is the one at least in his hallucination is the one who kills Brian Oblivion. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird to him. That's the first time he sees her. Uh, yeah. Uh, after she did, which is why I think specifically it's a hallucination. Yeah. And it, it very well, very well could be. It's, it's, it's just so fucking hard to tell. Yeah. Because, uh, because he gets, you know, he kind of gets cornered by the people developing Videodrome. Um, he ends up putting on a massive helmet that puts him in that world. Right. Um, Who was in, in the world of video? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a lot of practical effects, like um, you know, he puts on a helmet with a lot of wiring in it that James Wood was too, you know, afraid of being electrocuted to wear. Um, I guess James Wood got really tired of acting with that giant prosthetic slit in it on his chest. Um, you know, he would stumble around yelling, I'm no longer an actor. I'm just the, you know, the bearer of the slit. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so it's just like, uh, you know, it's like a lot of the practical effects just started to weigh on him after a while, but like he still gave it his all, but he puts on that helmet. And once he puts that helmet on and goes into like the video drone world, right. It's up in the air. What's real. What's not in this movie. Like it fucking knows. And, and that guy who puts the, the helmet on, uh, Barry convex, he's like, You'll forgive me if I don't stick around. Uh, I I can't cope with the freaky stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he just, just leaves. leaves. Uh, and then you know, and then he, uh, James Woods, Max Ren starts. You know, he gets a gun that like his hand mutates with a gun on it, so that right. he can't drop the gun ever. Um, except the company for you, starts but, like except for there are definitely some scenes where he doesn't have the gun in his hand. But I, I, yeah. I always took that as like 
the uh the perspective shifts to the reality that he's just a gun-toting maniac now uh and yeah. that's that's what the real people see uh, but he sees it as it's it's a part of him now this gun i i think that's exactly what uh as you know how i see it too is you know his reality is shifting because he's walking through this building going to his media broadcasting partners um and as he's walking through the building you know his hand doesn't seem to be mutated there doesn't seem to be a gun in it um but then occasionally he'll shift back and there it is, you know, it's, yeah. it's mutated. There's a gun. He'll pull it out of his jacket and he'll have the gun on there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, he goes back and he shoots because of the, because of the government, like whispering in his ear. I think right. it was convex whispering he is, he is in his mind, not in his ear. Uh, by the, 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 the VHS and his slit. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, the Betamax. Yeah. And, uh, there's even a line where Bianca tries to reprogram him and she's mm-hmm. like, it's hard to get the, the tape out after it's been inside. Uh, <laughs> and, and she's like, but I want you to pull it out. And then she gives him another V another tape. And, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, it's a very, very yeah, intriguing should... movie. I mean, it is. And, and like you said, we could talk about it all all night if we wanted to. Yeah, it's like that's basically the ending though. Is he he kills his business partners, and then, um, I can't remember how, but he like just ends up in a room with a TV. And... Right. He's on a condemned ship, and so there's no there's no <laughs> real TV on on the ship. It's definitely his hallucination, but he's on a condemned ship, yeah. uh, in in a in a condemned part of the harbor and uh yeah he ends up uh killing himself uh because the tv tells him to uh and that's the end of the movie i thought like doesn't he like blows the tv up and then he blows up with like dies with the tv or something i think the tv or does 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 the tv no no it blows up with his death the tv shows him what to do so the the Uh ending scene happens twice he yes yeah he um and maybe the ship blows up. I don't know. I can't recall. I can't. Uh, I don't but, think so. But yeah, the TV <laughs> shows him shooting himself. And I think you're right. I think the TV does blow up. But then he stands I think up when he and shoots he himself. reacts the scene and kills himself. That's it. Yeah. Yes. That, I think that's how it is. And uh, they did have another, um, an end credits, not an end credits scene, but like a scene after that um, originally. Oh, originally. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, it ended with uh, Max Brand committing suicide, and then him and Nikki meet again in in Videodrome. Huh. So they have like a a reconnecting moment, but Cronenberg uh, cut that because he's an atheist and thought that would present the you know the idea of an afterlife. Right. And he didn't want that to become the focus of the story. Right. So he removed it. But like, the him killing himself that was the act of him completing his transformation and becoming completely mm-hmm. the new flesh yes and um and i am kind of curious as to where the hallucination continues after that but mm-hmm. like you said with that ending you can just read it as that max was schizophrenic and just and just went yeah. crazy 
Um, and I think, yeah, I think it is a very appropriate ending for the movie, but it definitely left me wanting more at the same time. Uh, before we wrap up here, which I think we're getting to, I really want to talk about the sexualized scenes with the television set. Those are some of the weirdest effects in the movie because Mm -hmm. like, like he, he strokes the TV and like it bloats up and gets a little veiny. It's like, like like, it's like it's breathing also. Yeah. Like it's breathing, but the veins on it are kind of like, you know, penis veins. Veins. Uh, Yeah. Veins of the cock. Yeah, and uh, and but Nikki is always on the screen, uh, mm-hmm. be ha- having you know making sexual noises, and then there's the, also this one scene which the first time I watched it, I did not understand the effect at all. This time I've really paid attention, where her lips are on the screen and it kind of bubbles up, and then he puts his mm-hmm. face in the screen and his face gets enveloped in it, and and yeah, like. I think I'm pretty sure what they did is they had um, a a soft material that they blew up with with air to make it pop mm-hmm. out like that, and so he was that's why he's able to put his face into it so easy. But and also with a cathode tube, project an image onto it. Yeah, very good effect. I, I oh, first yeah. time it happened, I and was I... like, what the fuck yeah i think we should point out here um the effects were done by rick baker uh who is very famous for uh a werewolf in london okay and uh for you and i he also did the the makeup effects for bella lugosi on the ed wood movie oh wow cool (laughs) yes that's a fun fact i found out but werewolf in london is his big you know people know him for that um but yeah he did the did the makeup or the the effects here and it's it's so good. It's so practical. And there's as you said, there's so many times where you literally just kind of want to figure out how they did that. Right. Um, with like with the breathing videotape, with the you know with the sexualized TV. Yeah. That whole I mean, scene. That guy's holding the tape, and it and it yeah. and it's alive. Yeah, it's, and it looks so. It looks like a you know like a Betamax VHS. Right. Um, uh, but I mean, like you can tell it's it's not. But at the same time, it's just like there's there's something. You know, it's right. a, it's such a good effect. Well, uh, because you, they, you, you, the effect evolves too. Because the first time they mm-hmm. try it, is it's just Max holding a regular looking tape, and it breathes. That time it looks. It, yeah. At first, it definitely looks like a real tape, and then it breathes. Yeah. Uh, but later, with, it's all gross and goopy. <laughs> yeah. Even with the slit, um, you know, like so many times where you see that kind of stuff, it's very clear where the, the actor's body is and what's the prosthetic. Right. Uh, You know, it's like many times if they're laying down, you can believe that they built a fake floor and the actor's just standing up and that the body that you're seeing is just all practical and fake. Um, Like, you know, with alien where, you know, the chest bursts, you know, you can tell that that's not um, John Hurt's actual body. It's, you know, a fake body that the the alien bursts out. But it's it's done in such a way that you're just like, oh, you know, it, it looks really good. You you wouldn't notice it's a fake body unless you're looking for it. Same with here with the slit. Like there's so many times where like, you know, he puts his hand in there. You know, he, he it looks like he's he loses, literally digging into his own body. He loses the gun in it. <laughs> he loses the gun in it. Yeah. And it comes back later because he reaches back into the slit right. and finds it. Yeah. Um, 
yeah it's just like the the slit looks like it's part of james wood's body like he's yeah, carrying it he around for most of the movie and it, it's so good but yeah the the special effects are amazing and i think we should also point out that the music is great um the music comes from howard shore who did lord of the rings um the music for lord of the rings as well as most david cronenberg movies mm-hmm. uh but like I thought it was I think it's amusing that the guy who gave us Lord of the Rings also scored this because it's it's a very different score here. So he he had an orchestra play it and then he took that orchestra music, programmed it into a synthesizer, and then from there uh had the synthesizer version played in tandem with a string section. Huh. And that's what gave this music. It's it's very like it's it, it's it's electro kind of at the same time it just it has that violin kind of feel that creeps under your skin right um especially during a lot of those uh sexualized torture scenes he's whipping the tv man and and the tv likes it <laughs> it's, it's such a good scene it's so off-putting and yeah. like that that's where a lot of the horror for this movie comes from is it like it, it knocks you off of your level of comfortability right and then just attacks you <laughs> oh so in, in comparing it to hellraiser we talked a little bit how there's a couple of times where you don't feel like the scene was set up right but this has like the opposite effect where scenes bleed into other settings like especially when mm-hmm. him and nikki are on the floor having sex what listening to video drum in the background and then all of a sudden yeah. they're in that clay room where video drum yes is filmed it's so good yeah, it's 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 that it's that blending of reality and you know it's like where whereas Hellraiser just kind of feels like you know a bit amateurish at times, this is just feels masterful, because it all comes back to even if you don't like a certain part of it or even if you're confused by a certain part of it, it could just be because it's all fake. Yeah, you know it's all yeah. hallucination. Yeah. Um, and it's like I'm sure that I'm, I feel like there is a straight line to this whole movie. Yeah, you know, I feel like there is a a director's image and a path that you know that is the answer for it all. But he doesn't he doesn't force you to follow that. You no. know, you you can no. you can read into everything your own way, and I I love this movie for it. Right. But either way, Max Wren is a very troubled individual. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, he is not a man you should aspire to be. I would say no, no. <laughs> Uh, you know, I wouldn't mind being the president of of uh, uh, a TV channel. You know, it'd be they interesting. Typically, yeah. have pretty good income. <laughs> uh, uh, and you know, I definitely love TV. Um, not like he does. Yeah, it's like I have a lot of television ideas that I would love to see come to life. Right. And I feel like as the president of a company, you know, I could probably make that happen. That's true. Um. But whereas where I'm at now, you know, it's like some of my some of my TV show ideas involve like, you know, I have a Star Wars story and I have a a DC comic story that I'm going to have to impress a lot of people before I can get their attention. Yeah, Got to get rights. Well, I think we um, nearly talked these, you know, off a bridge. I think we talked them to death. Um, Or what's that? I said I think we talked them to death. Yeah. Both of these movies. Both of them, yeah. <laughs> People stopped listening half an hour ago probably. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. But I suppose if you wanted to, we could drop a wall here. Drop the wall. And then decide yeah, who we won the SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I'll, uh, I think it's very clear for me 
you know the of the of our first ever genre smackdown body horror edition i'm giving it to the pioneer of body horror david cronenberg and videodrome i love clive barker's um i almost said books of blood that's the that's the short story collection i love <laughs> clive barker's hellraiser i give it you know three stars i give videodrome three and a half stars um it's just it's focus on one character the use of the effects to not only be like sexual but also to be terrifying right um while playing at your sexual you know fantasies like this i, I say you're specifically playing at they're, they're all you know, a, a very niche yeah they all are yours <laughs> it's a very niche sexual fantasy but you know it, it at the same time you can kind of understand where they're going with it all um if you're ever interested in sadomasochism, if you just want to, if you want to watch a movie specifically devoted to the horrors that can come from it, I guess I think these two movies are very good at that. Both of them, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but Videodrome, Videodrome wins the the SmackDown in my opinion. Well, I uh, I I can't disagree with you. I think uh, it it does uh, win. Uh, if you're if you're just if we're okay, so maybe I'm kind of I'm kind of split actually, uh, mm-hmm. because I would say if you're just talking on how good the movie is, uh, then Videodrome wins for me uh, quite a bit. I I could keep on returning okay. to this movie, wondering what the hell's going on, um, but uh, Hellraiser. I definitely am am scared by the uh, the imagery more. Mm-hmm. While while the 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 imagery does scare me in video Videodrome, it is it's very latent. It's more that it makes me think. Where in Hellraiser, it's just like, oh my god, what is happening right now? <laughs> and and yeah i guess i still say that when i'm watching videodrome but it's yeah. more of like why is this happening i question yeah you're more enraptured more. yeah um yeah and uh so i guess i guess all in all i i want to give it to videodrome uh but i definitely mm. think hellraiser scared me more in the yeah. classical scary way but and there's also with with hellraiser there's also more to explore you know again there's 10 movies in the franchise right and you know the that movie definitely leaves you kind of feeling like i want to know more about this universe i definitely want you're very intrigued by hellraiser yeah and not in the way that you know not in the story's way of intrigue with you know sexual torture um you're intrigued from from the dimension that is presented you know it's like i want to know more about pinhead I right. want to know more about the Cenobites. Um, there's a lot of intrigue, whereas there's a lot of enrapturing. Uh, right. You know, Videodrome is, is, there's, you definitely are not going to be able to, th- there's no sequel to Videodrome. There, there, there's no mm-hmm. reason to have a sequel to Videodrome. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's clean. It's done. Yeah. Explore it. Yeah. And I, I, so i guess i guess all in all i i know i said i'm split on it but uh i just i love videodrome i really do yeah and so i want to give it the belt 
they got the belt for body horror smackdown for body horror yeah and uh you know we'll come at you with another um genre smackdown someday you know maybe maybe you could also give us ideas of what genre yes, you would please. like us to to experience that'd be great Couch potatoes some um, audience participation oh yeah we have gotten uh, uh, one or two suggestions and uh we do mm-hmm. want to put those uh in uh as canon episodes but uh we're gonna wait till we feel that that is appropriate to use those suggestions yeah um, yeah when the weather's right when the time is right that's right so yeah just just know that we're listening yeah and yeah. we appreciate it. We Definitely. appreciate the feedback. You know, tell us how we can improve. Tell us how we could, uh, you know, better, better entertain you. Um, oh yeah. But we do recommend both of these movies. Uh, this is coming from two people who are not huge fans of torture porn. No. Um, both of these movies give you what torture porn gives you without feeling like torture porn. Yeah, you know there there feels like a purpose here. There's a story. It's not just to be like, "Ooh, isn't that gross?" People are getting cut up. Yeah, um, uh, uh, gore. Yeah, the it's it does. It's definitely gory, but it's not gory just for the sake of gore. I mm-hmm. I will say, um, which I mean, some people may argue with this. I'm sure, especially people who don't like horror in general, that they'll they'll mm-hmm. disagree with that. But I, I think our opinion is pretty valid that there's yeah. there's good reasons behind the uh the horrific things you'll see in these movies. And I I like it all. I love it all. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. I've been the faceless Leon. And I'm the green traveler. Safe travels, everybody. Ooh. Ooh. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of FictionWorks 19. We plan to publish new episodes of this podcast every Thursday evening. If you'd like to give us a comment, please visit us at facebook.com slash greenandfaceless. There you'll find many links to our show and to our website. Thanks for listening.